Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> You think you're not slaves, but you are. The nine-to-five existence of your current lives is structured by the American industrial complex complicit with our government. So it leaves you really questioning everything you thought you knew. sense of separation, the sense of isolation is the thing that is within you and me and makes us feel alien to everything else that's outside of us. So that is why as you sit there within your body and you look out through your eyeballs and you listen through your ears and you look around you, everything else is not you. And you don't fit. You're listening to Up Is Down with Dean Reiner. Seventy trillion dollars. I understand that, but those do to walk out a four trillion dollar solution, which is basically just a way for the Democrats to avoid dealing with this until 2017. I'm not here to talk about plans to deal with this till 2017. I'm saying we've got a real problem, and I'm tired of Republicans and Democrats who either want Republicans who want to burn the place to the ground, and Democrats, with all due respect, who want to offer a plan that gets it through the the end of their second term of their presidency, and then screws me and my kids when it's over. And until we do that, we have to deal with the extraction that is at foot. It is the reason the financial markets are behaving the way they're behaving. That is a mathematical fact. This is not some opinion. This is a mathematical fact. Tens of trillions of dollars are being extracted from the United States of America. Democrats aren't doing it. Republicans are not doing it. An entire integrated system, financial system, trading system, taxing system that was created by both parties over a period of two decades is at work on our entire country right now. And we're sitting here arguing about whether we should do the $4 trillion plan that kicks the can down the road for the president for 2017 or burn the place to the ground, both of which are reckless, irresponsible, and stupid. And the fact of the matter is, until we actually, and I don't, and I'm sorry to lose my no, temper, no, and get, no, but no. I tell you what, I've been coming on TV for three years doing this. And the fact of the matter is that there, there's a refusal on both the Democratic and the Republican side of the aisle to acknowledge the mathematical problem, which is that the United States of America is being extracted. It's being extracted through banking, it's being extracted through trade, and it's being extracted through taxation. And there's not a single politician that has stepped forward 
board, Susan, to deal yeah, with but this. But there's only one right now. The, the leader of the free world, whether you like it or not, the but, president of the United States is arguably one of the most powerful individuals we have out there. But and Susan, he's what you're president. saying is exactly the point that Dylan is making. It's no. not about one guy. It's about all no, of them. No, I actually disagree. To I think Dylan's saying it is, one guy, is about her. one guy. What is it, it is what's about one guy. What would you like him to do? I would like him to do him to go to the people of the United States of America and say, people of the United States of America, your Congress is bought. Your Congress is incapable of making legislation on health care, banking, trade, or taxes because if they do it, they will lose their political funding and they won't do it. But I'm the President of the United States and I won't have a country that is run by a bought Congress. So I'm not going to work with a bought Congress and try to be Mr. Big Guy, I'm working with the bought Congress. I'm going to abandon the bought Congress like Teddy Roosevelt did and I'm going to go to the people of the United States and I'm going to say, you've got to block Congress. And until we get rid of the block Congress, which is Jimmy Williams' constant point, which is get the money out of politics, and until a president says that's the problem and says he's going to fix it, there is no policy that I can possibly see, no matter how brilliant your idea may be, or your idea, or my idea, or her idea, or your idea at home, is... That idea will not happen as long as there is the capacity to basically fire a politician who disagrees with me by taking funding away from him. Is that a fair assessment? Money in politics is the root of all political evil. It is corruption at its worst. And until we step up and kick that out of the park, it's going to be the same system. All and only the president could do that. We're going to no, no, no. Guys. Congress has to do it too. The Congress has to do it too. But I'll tell you what: how bad does it have to get? How much money has to be extracted? How many things have to be heard? The brass tax. Okay, physically, what do you do? You go and give a speech. Right now. To, yeah, right now. Right now. You say. You say. And then what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow, what happens is you begin the process of actually investing in solving the problem. So how? I come out and I say, "How I create an infrastructure bank with two percent blending immediately." There's once I explain to people the problem, once I explain to you you have cancer, the re- once you understand how screwed up your trade tax and banking policies are, believe me, you will have no issue when I incorporate an infrastructure bank that I fund with repatriated offshore money that I bring in and then use to create 2% direct lending to every business in America. Because when you realize that the banking system is fully corrupt and defrauding us, and I come out and say that, which is what I want my president to do, that, that at that exact moment, I say, you know what? we got a screwed up situation here, people. You all know it, and now what? I'm going to admit it. And as a result, not only have I admitted it, but we're going to begin the process of solving it like grown-ups. They did it in World War II. They did it after the Civil War. They did it in Latin America with the Brady Bonds. We are not seeing it happen now. The panel stays uh, a, a little more emotional than I anticipated getting <laughs> at work this afternoon. But what am I going to do? I think that there's a very good reason why half of the people in this country don't vote. Okay. There's a, there's a good reason why the biggest voting block in this country is people who don't participate in the voting system. And the reason they don't participate in the voting system is not because they're entitled and aren't affected by the vote, as some people would try to manipulate you to believe, but rather that they know that it is a false ritual designed to perpetuate the myth of choice while the same group of people continues to pump the extraction. And the reason they're shut down is because the government that they paid taxes to refused to prepare for a pandemic. Forget whether we responded in time. What's the response? There is no response. The response is to tell everybody to stay home. That's your plan. That's what we paid for. You don't have cotton swabs. You can't make a test. 
And so because you don't have cotton swabs in a cast, everybody's got to stay home? Fuck you. Okay? And so this whole no M&A thing from Warren and AOC, as if they're going to gobble up small businesses, one, reveals how stupid these people are, and two, reveals how craven and hypocritical they are that they then vote for a bill that empowers private equity to buy distressed assets while they shut down an economy that shouldn't be shut down because they should have been prepared for the damn pandemic months ago, years ago. And then they want credit for looking out for the little guy. Fuck them. I know there's a calculus on the loss of life and the on uh, and on the destruction of uh, resources from the lockdown that has to be weighed against the death rate. But I also know that if you are prepared for something, a pandemic is not a surprise. This is not a black swan. Okay, there. This is this is something that sh- that has been known and talked about for years and decades. And so then to sit here after the fact, and, and, and it's, it's when you when you drive a ship and you have uh, no fire extinguisher and no life boats and no life preservers, and then you're and then everybody's in the water without a life preserver and the ship is sunk. You know what? It's to talk about what you should have done. What you should have done has been ready for a pandemic. What are we paying taxes for? What's the DOD doing? What are you doing all day? At the, at, at, what are they doing? What are you people doing in your jobs at CDC, at Health and Human Services, at Department of Defense, at FEMA? We pay all this tax money. What are you preparing for? And so I think it's unfair for any of us to sit here after the fact, after the colossal failure to prepare for a known risk. You know, we're certainly happy to show off our airplanes, our F-14s, our F-18s. But we're not ready for this. It's staggering. Fuck them. Nancy Pelosi will tell you to calm down. She has a plan. Nancy Pelosi is the same person that gave you the healthcare system that's failed right now. So that's that she can she can stand that that her claim to fame is. You put her in the same room with Clinton, Obama, and uh, Biden with a $4 trillion healthcare system charging double what the world pays for a healthcare system that is useless to provide cotton swabs at a test. Multi trillion dollar government, multi trillion dollar healthcare system, and they can't provide cotton swabs at a test? I'm with you, buddy. And so their alternative, after collecting those trillions, is to scorch the entire economy? I think we all know why the immediate response, which I guess was in March, right, right after the initial market crash and all the things that were happening at that time, the initial immediate reflex was to rescue the financial institutions and the wealthiest people in America. 
which is what they did in the blink of an eye. Immediately, they rescued the they, they rescued the stock market. They rescued the large banks. They bailed out Bill Ackman. They bailed out um, Ken Griffin, one of the richest hedge fund managers in the world. They bailed out Ray Dalio. All of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the country were bailed out in March as a reflex. Um, and then since then, they have been incrementally using the bailout bills as opportunities to move, to bail out slightly less rich people. And at the same time, they have really proven, I think the thing that really most strikes me the most is that they've proven that even given a couple of months to look around and think about it, they really, 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 really don't want to give people health care. Really? Which... I mean, they've, well, they've had a couple of months. I mean, they've had so much time to really understand how much health care has been lost from the, from the depression-level unemployment levels that we now have. They understand the demand for health care is at an all-time high, which is partially caused by a global pandemic. If you haven't noticed, there's a bit of a pandemic going on, which creates some medical needs. Um, and even in the face of the pandemic and even in the face of depression-level unemployment, even and in, and in the face of having a couple of months to contemplate the matter, uh, the only thing they could offer in the way of healthcare was subsidies for private health insurance with Cobra. Yeah. So so oh, you, you, yes. All right. So I'm, let me. I don't mean to change the subject on you, but when I look at what happened today, what I really saw when I looked through all the things that we're going to talk about was a country and a Democratic Party specifically. That is completely and utterly and firmly and resolutely committed to making sure that it's really expensive and hard to get health care and that health insurance companies make lots and lots of money. And it is unlike any other country on earth. I mean, countries like Rwanda are working on a national health care system. Countries that we would theoretically condescend to for their overall quality of life, like India, have national health care systems. And yet this country, theoretically the richest in the world, theoretically uh, the most powerful in the world, in the face of global or Great Depression level unemployment and a pandemic, still refuses to offer health care to the people that live in this country and yet insists on making sure the people in this country pay double what any other group of people in the world pay for their health care in order to enrich the financial institutions that run the health insurance companies. That alone is a staggering indictment of the entire political class led by, in this case, the Democrats who claim uh, the mantle of, of wanting to offer people help as a, as a rhetorical flourish, not as something that they do, but as a marketing. As part of the Democratic Party's marketing, there's this sort of marketing around quote-unquote caring about quote-unquote people and yet they don't do it and, and 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 still you see all of these people that want to support democrats it's amazing to me that anybody could possibly support nancy pelosi or the democrats it's easy to like i said it's easy to ridicule donald trump or the republicans it's inexplicable to me why anybody would support joe biden or nancy pelosi i just it, it is i can't Intellectually, I can't. I don't even know how to uh, to comprehend it.
What needs to happen, Dylan, is people need to get in the streets and shut down capitalism. I mean, workers can shut down capitalism at the snap of a finger. We've seen that. If everybody at Amazon stayed home tomorrow, this goddamn country would shut down. If everybody at UPS stayed home tomorrow, this country would shut down. I think the fucking post office should go on strike until they get the money they need because this whole goddamn country would shut down. There are many worker factions in this country. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That could shut this country down overnight. And we're realizing that right now. How about grocery workers? Grocery workers could shut down this country overnight. And that's the kind of shit that it closed tomorrow. Tomorrow, the country would be going nuts. They'd have to bring in the National and Guard to work good, at... Like, look, at, look at how effective the protests in Hong Kong were, how massive and organized they were. Look at how effective the French are at doing exactly what you're describing. So it's not that it's not possible to do. Uh, there are two phenomenal examples of how effective protests can be in forcing structural political change, whether it's in France or in Hong Kong, are the two best recent examples. It's simple complacency and indifference and this desire to blame the opponent as opposed to doing anything. It is, it is a stunning um, abdication of engagement that I think is even beyond something I ever would have ever imagined. I mean, but, 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 I, uh, but for all the bravado of this country, sort of rah-rah, we fight, blah-blah, it's a joke. We got nothing, and I can't go out and organize a strike because there's a fucking pandemic, and I have underlying medical problems, and and think shit. <laughs> it's a pretty good trick. It's a pretty good trick. Pretty good trick. I get that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are, com- are complete robots of Wall Street, and they're evil, in fact. I get that. They're evil agents of finance at the, the expense of the American people. Evil agents of finance. Literally at the, at the cost of their health. Literally, right? Their lives. But what yeah, I literally. don't get is why there is absolutely no opposition to either of them in government. None. Uh, Ilhan Omar, uh, you know, uh, he won't even stand up to them. AOC won't stand up to them. Bernie Sanders won't stand No one will stand up for the American Warren, people in this moment. Found. What's that? Elizabeth Warren, nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. No one will stand up for the American people right now. What they're doing, what Bernie Sanders is actually doing, is protecting the party. What AOC and Ilhan Omar are actually doing is protecting the party. They're not doing a goddamn thing to make sure people are get, are taken care of, except writing letters to Nancy Pelosi begging. What they should be doing is organizing people to start shutting shit down because we are in dire... This is not normal times. This is an existential threat right now. You think Donald Trump is an existential threat? This is an existential threat right now. And the progressive media is asleep. The progressive... Uh, politicians are defending the party while screwing the people 
And it's left to you and me to scream into the wind right now. That's it. We got nothing. And I can't go out and organize a strike because there's a fucking pandemic and I have underlying medical problems. And and ain't shit. <laughs> it's a pretty good trick. It's a pretty good trick. Pretty good trick. But for me, the headline again, I don't mean to be so laser, but all you need to know is every single time, whether it's in the the heat of the worst of the crisis with the market crashing or months to think about it, no UBI, no Medicare for all. They don't want it. They don't like it. They are against it. They don't want to support you in your home. They They don't want to support the most vulnerable in the society. They don't want people to have mobility. They don't want people to have health care. Let anybody who ever again would ever deign to suggest that the Democratic Party either cares about working people or cares to give people health care should be punched in the face. This is a multi-month demonstration of conscious decision making in the face of the largest budgets in the history of the world trillion dollar spending and even with trillions of dollars available and money going to corporate lobbyists i mean you can run all the lists even in that situation in the middle of a pandemic where where we're at depression level unemployment even temporary ubi and medicare for all is something they do not want and that is a stunning demonstration of hostility to the point of being murderous to the people of this country that you would never imagine from any sane or rational government on this earth. Not that, I mean, that's a stupid thing because there's no such thing as a sane or rational government. So I, I kind of hesitated before I said that. But anybody who is politically engaged, who is of the delusional belief that anybody in American politics cares about them should rapidly discard that belief. And any Democrat who believes that the Democrats are Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or any of these fools ever wanted to give them health care, ever cared about working people, ever felt their pain. This is a master class in the demonstration of not only the indifference to it, but the active prosecution of policies that are hostile to working people and the sick on behalf of financial institutions and the wealthy. That's who they work for. People should be in the streets. They should be full yellow jacket. They should be full Hong Kong. They should be shutting down the cities. But they're not. We got nothing, and I can't go out and organize a strike because there's a fucking pandemic, and I have underlying medical problems, and and ain't shit. <laughs> it's a pretty good trick. It's a pretty good trick. Pretty good trick. I mean, we're trending towards a Brazilian or an Indian social architecture with a two-tiered system where you have 90-odd percent in the underclass, and then you just have, or Mexico. I mean, this is how most countries end up, Russia. I mean, it is really the standard model. 
Europe is the only exception. And America had a moment after World War II where it actually had a, a middle class. Uh, but that has been, you know, Bill, Cl Bill Clinton really started in on it. And then George Bush and Barack Obama really did a number on it. And, and then D Donald Trump, to his credit, basically just said, listen, this is all bullshit. Like, why are we pretending? Like, the one thing that I think Donald Trump had going for him was he was not, there was no, there was no sheen of um, class. The aspirationalism of Barack Obama's celebrity to make people feel good while they're getting destroyed by the overclass. It's why we talked about the the Bidens and the Obamas are more dangerous to the people because they 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 they're like a narcotic for people's psychology, so they don't realize they're getting uh, the frog is getting boiled. That's a great way to put it. They're a narcotic for people's psychology, so they don't realize they're getting boiled. That's what I, the way I used to say it was that Barack Obama, or when a Democrat becomes president, half the left goes to sleep to all the horrible stuff that the government does, no matter who's the president. And that's exactly what yeah. happened with Barack Obama. And that's the that's the case that I've been trying to make, and why I wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton because uh, it 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 would have put the left to sleep once again. And you can't protest against a good Democrat. Democrat, even as they're kicking 5.1 million people out of their houses in the middle of a recession, as they're making the banks bigger, as they're opening up the Arctic to drilling, as they're letting cops crack the heads of peaceful protesters at Occupy Wall Street, as they turn their backs on union teachers in Wisconsin, as their collective bargaining is taken away from them, as as they say we're going to let it play, play out in Dapple, as they bail out private equity firms that inflate the price of first-time homebuyers as they leave office. None of that gets protested or even opposed or even talked about when a Democrat is the president. Uh, unfortunately, none of that got talked about when uh, Donald Trump is president either, because the Democrats are so corrupt that they don't have the ability to talk about those things. Instead, they talk about an evidence-free, red-baiting conspiracy theory aimed at the president and any of their political enemies. Uh, which has now been completely revealed to be unbelievable malfeasance on the part of the FBI and the CIA and the NSA and the Democratic Party and the media. And so that's the world we're living in. There, there, there almost seems no hope. The point is they're leaving the people that are most destroyed by this completely off the list. Every time. Yes, every time. The most vulnerable, the people hurting the most, are not being taken the care of. Grocery store workers, nope. the, the Uber drivers. I mean, uh, the, the, literally the people that we all most depend on, the people that are the most affected by the pandemic. The, uh, I mean, I, I, you get it. I, everybody who is by far that we depend on the most, that is the most impacted by it, is the, uh, is the group of people that is getting the absolute least um, from every piece of legislation, including this one. But the point is, in America, the political and government decision is, is explicit and implicitly to give money to the wealthiest institutions to roll assets up as a way to exploit a biological crisis that was no fault of the people that are being victimized by it. It's bad enough that they did this in 2008 and nine, where they gave the richest and the, and the most powerful all the money to roll up all the distressed assets. Uh, as they did uh, in the financial crisis. They repeated that again in the face of a biological crisis. 
I mean, I cannot think of a more putrid and disgusting thing for a group of people to do. I mean, it's no different uh, than robbing someone uh, while their house is on fire. Because it, so your house gets struck by lightning. You're trying to put your the, the fire of your house out from the lightning strike, and then the government, instead of helping you put out the fire, comes in and steals all your stuff. And people get mad at me because I, I they refuse they they get upset that I don't want to perpetuate the the myth of America as having some differential. Again, the Russian government's not particularly nice to their people either. Neither is the Chinese government, even the Mexican government. Heck. The European governments are a little bit overblown in terms of their perceived uh, glory. I mean, the EU really is a, ri a club for rich people. There aren't really European countries. There's, as we discussed last fall, the group of the super rich that sort of are countryless, and then everybody else that sort of is left to fend for themselves. But I never thought I would see the day where a biological crisis would be manipulated and used by American politicians to empower the rich to raid the rest of the country. There's such active prosecution of abusive policy at the federal level by not by by all of the politicians. Again, people, the Democrats love to yes to vilify the village, the village idiot, and he's obviously an idiot and a dangerous and 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 and, and, and peculiar idiot at that. But it is he, he's con, he's a convenient excuse for the rest of their uh, predation. And that's what I have to tell my brother when he calls me up. Could you believe this guy? Tell the people to drink bleach this guy. We got to get rid of this guy. And I have I have to every time find a way to tell him what you just said, that he is a convenient distraction for the oligarchs to continue raping this country. And the more they get excited about something Donald Trump did, the more crimes they're trying to conceal. And that's the thing. That's why people are like, why don't you, why don't you get more upset at Donald Trump? That's exactly why. Because they want me to get upset and distracted by Donald Trump while Nancy Pelosi passes his entire legislative agenda. While Nancy Pelosi institutes bill after bill that rapes America. It, uh, it solidifies income inequality for at least, at least a generation and probably turns this country into Brazil forever. Uh, and it's certainly what they're trying to pull off. But even the progress you know, the corporate news is the number one sort of high. They, they love to obsess about the village idiot. That's what I'm talking and the, about. And the noise machine around the village idiot completely blocks out all awareness of the, of the of the raping that you described and we discussed from time to time. people in the news on corporate news television, their first order of business, their primary objective is to manufacture consent. And when they are not manufacturing consent, they are fired. Just like Ed Schultz was fired, just like Phil Donahue was fired, just like Ashley Banfield was fired, and just like I would be fired. <laughs> that If you're not manufacturing consent, you are fucking fired. And it doesn't matter how awful you can be or how big of a liar you are, as long as your lies are at the behest of the establishment, just like Brian Williams. 
You will never be fired. There will always be a place for you because you are lying and still pushing. You are still manufacturing consent for the oligarchy. You're part of the narcotic. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're part of the heroin shot that keeps the things numb so they can continue raping. This is a country that cancels elections and offers you two senile rapists as a choice for president. I mean, if they lower your expectations, California is beautiful. Look at how beautiful where you live is. Look at how beautiful your yard is. Look at how beautiful the weather is. North America is a beautiful continent with as largely really fabulous people here, many very nice people here, whether it's in Los Angeles or New York or Texas or Florida or wherever. And I would recommend everybody uh, be a little nicer and enjoy themselves and um, completely lower your expectations from the U.S. government to, to the point of fact they are your, they are hostile to you. They, they, they are hostile to everybody in this country left or right i know i know and and it's just it's just but that doesn't mean we have to be miserable it just means we need to not expect anything other than hostility from our government but there is more to life than government there's dancing there's cooking there's music there's car there's there's racing cars there's running yeah, but watching movies. It's hard to enjoy it's going to the beach. It's hard to enjoy any of that stuff if you have an empty stomach. That's a hundred percent true. You know uh, who was it who said uh, this is the country that's taking food and throwing it away? All right, Matt Stoller says bailouts. Here's what's also in this bill, Dylan. He says bailouts for mortgage servicers, mortgage servicers. So not banks, but companies that service your mortgage. They get bailed out. Now, if you remember, we exposed that mortgage servicers are the most nefarious of maybe all the corporations because they have an interest in you defaulting on your home loan. Instead of trying to save you and save your loan, they try to trick you into doing things incorrectly so they can then foreclose on your a house because they make more money. Well, guess what? The government, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, just bailed them out. That happened. See, I would. We were aware of that, Dylan. Uh yeah. Oh yeah, I was actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They have a huge. They, they 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 give a lot of money to those politicians, so they really get whatever they want.
And let's remember, Occupy Wall Street didn't happen until a few years after, you know, Barack Obama was already. Two years later. Yeah. Two years later, for sure. And and, it, and this is, and the, I mean, all joking, and not that there's much of a joke here, uh, but all joking aside, this is a extremely large, like larger than anybody can imagine large, extremely slow moving crisis, which means that the change from one day to the next, whether it's the data on the biological side or the data on the economic side, all those things are extremely, it's a slow, slow grinder. But it's an inevitable and massive role that could be intervened with some of the things that we've talked about. That's why they're using trillions of dollars. But instead of using the trillions of dollars to intervene against the massive, slow-rolling crisis that will play out over the next two to five years, they're using the trillions of dollars to actually accelerate the movement of the slow roller by consolidating wealth with the super rich while leaving the most vulnerable, most exposed. But it's going to take years to play out. It is unfucking believable what is going on. It is like... Uh, it is just it is honest honest I don't even have word I don't have the f- vocabulary to describe the you know this the balls of what they're doing but they can do this because they own the media the media is complacent they're not gonna they're not gonna tell you what we're telling you they're not gonna tell you to be upset they're not they don't even show you that what's happening in France when the yellow vest riot they don't even tell you that's happening let alone tell you why or Hong Kong I mean this, this, what they did in Hong Kong was spectacular millions of people organized spontaneously but in an intuitive system using digital coordination capable of overwhelming a city with three million people on 10 minutes notice made the French look like amateurs and the really? French are the best in the world at this. Yeah, so they they just broke it. So the, the French basically have a thing where they make an appointment to meet every Saturday in the middle of town and race out, right? That's the every Saturday morning. Until this is over, we're going to shut this place down, right? They shut down Paris every Saturday for months to, until Macron finally is like, you know, no tab, whatever you want, we'll I'll do it, right? Hong Kong was is, was more is even more sophisticated, where they basically just took four metaphors for water: so vapor, ice, um, liquid, and I forget the whatever the fourth in, 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 steam? incarnation was. Steam, huh? Steam, steam, yeah. And so, and they and they basically would literally text each other with these different formations, and they would either dissipate rapidly accumulate immediately freeze and lock a situ a lock up a, a situation and so that those behaviors which were intuitive and known within the again millions of young people I mean three million people got it's crazy and they could organize and shift immediately from these sort of locked cubes where they could shut anything down to complete and immediate this everybody would scatter to the accumulation of dew basically where they would start to build and it was just remarkable 
I mean, the same way I could tell you a great story about American entrepreneurialism and the development of Google and Tesla and the glories of Hollywood and, um, you know, the, the, the bootstrapping of uh, the, uh, the small businesses in Nebraska. And those are all true stories. Those are real things. And they, they're good things. And they have happened. And they do happen. And the ability <clears throat> for a young comedian from Los Angeles to have a really popular web show using this technology and hang around and talk to his friends and other smart people and make a living. I mean, that's a great story. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it doesn't dis- doesn't dispel the other story that we just told. So I can tell you lovely stories about some of the benefits of the Chinese investment in their infrastructure and their very deliberate planning, uh, which is impressive, to say the least, relative to their development. But I can also tell you the stories of their brutal uh, murder, containment, and destruction of huge sections of their population. And uh, they are the only country in the world that rivals America for its imperial instinct. Russia is, uh, is, is, doesn't exist as an imperial force at this point in the world. No. Um, there are only two imperial forces on this planet right now, and one of them is China, and you could even argue China may be the most aggressive imperial force in the world right now. because we used to be the financier of choice for those countries, right? Yeah. That, the Part of what America did after World War II was the exact thing, exact thing China is doing now, which is be the financier of choice for core infrastructure for distressed or developing nations in order to win fealty and access to their mineral rights. And the Chinese are now the primary practitioner of that practice, which is why they control not only all the onshore production that they have in their country for the world, whether it's, uh, it's rare minerals and the sorts of things that people talk about, but also their influence and control over uh, much of the mineral rights in Africa, much of the mineral rights in South America. And then they'll, they'll go into things like build, they'll build free roads and hospitals, all these really actually great social benefits that give, then create um, goodwill for them uh, with the, uh, the people with the with the politicians, I should say, in the country where they're financing, but ultimately give them the ability uh, to do what they will with that country relative to any Western. It basically extends their basic influence and their basic policy in direct opposition to the United States. There's no one doing what they're supposed to. No one is saying what they're supposed to say. No one is risking their own personal position to help anybody. And in fact, people like Bernie Sanders are actively gaslighting you right now, telling you Joe Biden has a plan to help you or fix you and that Nancy Pelosi is doing the right thing. He just tweeted that out today. I had to smack him down on Twitter. It's amazing. We are ruled by sociopaths. I mean, and that's not hyperbole. And some of them are psychopaths, but definitely sociopaths. And I'm not, it's not, that's not me being a bomb thrower or a loose cannon. That is, that is a fucking fact. Okay. What we posited here at this show is that people don't know what's coming. They don't know how bad this is. Are people starting to figure out that the government is completely not helping them and they're not actually doing anything? Are they starting to wake up or no? Uh, I don't think really yet. I mean, 
I, I spoke to a couple of people earlier this week, and, you know, and there are huge institutions like Citadel or uh, Ray Dalio, uh, these massive billionaire hedge funds uh, that were bailed out in March that nobody comprehends that literally um, the, some of the wealthiest human beings in this country who run some of the biggest uh, highly leveraged investment funds in this country um, or lending funds uh, were bailed out in, uh, in March uh, when the market was limited down. So something like that, uh, it has not revealed itself yet to people. I don't think people understand the contrast between the, I mean, I don't even have the adjectives for it, but I just, so I'll just say the horror uh, of what was done in terms of the bailout for the super rich institutions with 40 million unemployed and no uh, support of any kind uh, for the unemployed while simultaneously using the tax dollars to finance uh, the super wealthy and the super wealthy's consolidation uh, of ownership of resources. And I don't want to be redundant to our past conversations. I think we have to start to take uh, what I've described and you've described and Steph's described and others around your show uh, as fact. I think it's important that we remind people of that, but I think for these conversations to be useful, I also think we need to sort of move through time as this happens. And I think we're really now just starting to move into um, a period of time where people are just, just, just starting to comprehend not just how big the unemployment issue is and is going to continue to be in this country, but how directly the unemployment issue targets the most vulnerable country. Um, and so it's, it's not a uniform unemployment. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a hyper-targeted unemployment, and it's a targeted unemployment that uh, directly seeks to uh, unemploy uh, those who can least, uh, those who have the smallest or the shortest financial runway to endure. And so, sort of, however you look at this, we're in a moment where the only reason I think there's not as much of a panic as there could be or would be uh, is because the financial bailout, those trillions of dollars from the Federal Reserve and, and uh, from the Treasury, have done an incredibly good job of supporting the stock market, that that has created a false sense of security in terms of the health of our economy. I think you probably remember how people felt when the stock market was down 30 or 40 percent. Uh, it was going limit down every day and people were in a panic. Um, I think the only reason that there's any complacency right now is because the stock market has really been completely disconnected from the U.S. economy. Yes. And as a, re and as a result, creates an incre a, a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the rate of evolution of the problems is a slower evolving thing, whether it's the virus and the infection itself, or whether it's the economic trauma and the social crisis uh, that is coming uh, over the next couple of years, uh, certainly in this country. But I think if you're looking at maybe years, again, when the financial crisis happened, that was two, uh, 2009, right? I, that was September 2009. Occupy Wall Street didn't happen for two years after that. Right. It takes a long time for the awareness of the information you know, if everybody listened to your show or if everybody listened to my reporting on your show or if everybody 
comprehended and believed it, there would be a more immediate response, but it's just not the nature of the beast. And there's such a um, all-consuming and low-utility pool of information out there uh, from the primary information brokers and plus the bubbling effect and all the things people read what they want, Facebook, all the, all the shattering of the information markets make it take longer for this to happen, make it easier to blame different people, uh, all of those things. Uh Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, but this is going to be a profound and life-changing couple of years for this country. And, and um, parts of that are going to be really, really awful, I think. So start at the top uh, of the decision-making tree. As soon as there's a crisis, the first people that are looked after are the multi-billionaires. So whether it's the multi-billionaire banking system participants or the multi-billionaire um, business enterprises that are the most connected to the government, they're taken care of in the first 24 to 72 hours, right? Right. And then there's a progression of caretaking, if you will, in terms of the policy making from all the Democrats including all of everybody's leftist favorites, and certainly all the Republicans, including everybody's populist right-wing favorites, that continues to favor uh, those who have the most, while simultaneously doing the least for those who have the least. Um, and the idea of prioritizing a payroll tax cut, which is a basically an increase in take-home pay for people who currently have jobs at a time when the obvious and most catastrophic issue that exists in this country is 20, 30% unemployment, 40 million people uh, likely to be unemployed, uh, which again is not a recession. That is by definition a depression. You know, that's not an, that's not an opinion. That's, right. a, that's another fact. And so the, the idea that the government is not prioritizing basic intervention for those that are the most exposed to the consequences of this depression and at the same time is doling out money by the trillion and to the richest and the most privileged or at the very least the people that are the most again after they're done with the richest and the most privileged then looking to give a raise to those who are uh, among the most stable uh, is, an, is a remarkable window into the insight of the character of the american government but again this is a character that existed has existed going back certainly to bill clinton um, and, and, and really before, I mean, this is not a new character insight uh, for the American government. The American government has been taking care of the, the wealthiest interests 
uh, whether it was with NAFTA, whether it was with the financial deregulation in the 90s, we can go down the list. Um, Trump is particularly offensive and crude and barbaric and murderous in his disposition and his nature, um, but he is in no way unique in following the standard protocol of using the government to benefit the rich, to consolidate wealth, and to destroy and deprive the most impoverished. I mean, listen, America functionally is a third world country that's hiding behind uh, the edifice of Hollywood, Silicon Valley, Wall Street, and its military. But if you stripped away the American military, Wall Street, the Valley, and Hollywood, what you would see and what you are seeing in the context, a, con a, um, a consequence of this virus is a third world country, both in the nature of the priorities of the government and how it functions, and in the resources and opportunities that are available to the vast majority of the people who live here. So let me just explain to people what this means by the what and what the purpose of this is, this payroll tax. So what that means is uh, no one's putting money into Social Security. Right. So that's what they mean by payroll tax. And so this is just another attempt to bankrupt Social Security so they can eventually privatize it. That's exactly what this is. And, and in fact, in this article, it goes on to say the economic recession will likely speed up the exhaustion date for Social Security trust funds. So what that means is the exhaustion date. That's a term that means when Social Security will have to start paying out more money than it actually takes in and has. That's the exhaustion date. And so any plans for payroll tax cuts would have to include ways to replenish those funds, which are currently scheduled to run out in 2035. At that time, 79% of promised benefits will be payable. So... What they're but, you know, do you understand the absurdity? But do you understand the absurdity of talking about money as if, <clears throat> excuse me, as if it's scarce? Yes. So the idea that oh, there's an exhaustion date, or oh, we can't pay for this, or oh, you better go get a job at a time when literally trillions of dollars are being given away to, to special interests. It is incomprehensible to the the idea of utilizing um, the the idea of using utilizing scarcity or limited funding as a point of leverage for policymaking while simultaneously supplying infinite capital from everything from oil companies to airlines to, to, to down the list is an indication of how third world this government is. Aren't you surprised that no one, no one in the news media, no one in politics is screaming about this? No one. Bernie Sanders and the squad are voting for this shit. The only. I mean, honestly, I am surprised. I am surprised. I, I mean, I would. I would even think politically, it's to their advantage to try to to uh, speak up on this. <laughs> they even won't. For, you know, forget their moral character. Bernie, I would think Bernie Sanders. Even at the I, most it is such a winner politically to stand up and fight for people yeah. at this moment. There's just, there, the, every Democrat in the Congress is ceding that to the right right now. They're letting Josh Hawley and fucking Mitt Romney outleft them. It's happening. It's not not making it up. Trump is outlefting them. It's and no one, including Bernie Sanders, is screaming about this. It is shot stunning. I mean, aren't you surprised? I mean, just forget even the moral character. 
I don't know what, I honestly don't know what they're thinking. Really enthusiastic for corporate socialism. Yes, yes, 100%. I mean, America is a corporate socialist country. And that's, I mean, listen, I don't know how you could possibly expect to always have the bottom, the fallout on the bottom be protected by the government and not expect the upside or the progression of resources up to be controlled by the government. You can't have it. He was making the point that you can't have it both ways. Now, remarkably, America uh, has it better than both ways. They have, you know, this amplification of the profits for the super rich and total protection from economic losses uh, for the big companies and the super rich, while simultaneously literally no safety net for more than half the country. So I just want everybody who votes Trump who watches this show and who is a Trumper to know that what Trump is trying to do is fuck you right now. He's not trying. He's fucking you. So you're getting fucked hard by Trump and by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. They're all your enemy. There's no doubt about it. And if you don't see through that now, then uh, you deserve what you have coming. But let me tell you something. Trump is no friend. He's trying to take away your Social Security right now. That's what Trump is trying to do. Is it his idea? No. It's not Trump's idea. This is shit that's being told to him by guys like Larry Kudlow and Steve Mnuchin. That guys who have been waiting their entire fucking lives to do this, to get rid of Social Security and put that money into the stock market. That's exactly what they've been trying to do their entire life. And now Trump is going to help them do it. Uh, and and so just so you know, el- el- eliminating payroll tax is code for eliminating Social Security and Medicare. And when you hear Trump say we want to eliminate capital gains, that's code for eliminating all the tax on the one percent. That's what that's what Trump is doing right now. Just so I know there's a lot of people who are conservatives who watch the show because they like that I'm a truth teller. Well, it's the truth that Trump is fucking you as hard as you've ever been fucked right now. Harder. And and he's trying to do it more. And the only thing, and, and they're using the biological crisis to seize the opportunity to do all the worst things. Which is, if you ever want, you know, you you see the true character of anyone uh, when you're in a situation like this, and the character that's been revealed about our government is staggeringly. Uh, hostile to the people that live in this country. I mean, none of this is Trump's idea. That's the thing. You have to you have to understand that Trump is just a figurehead, right? And he's doing everything that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Larry Kudlow, and Steve Mnuchin want him to do. He doesn't have any ideas on how to handle a fucking pandemic or a crisis or a banking crisis. He doesn't have any idea on how to do anything. He's doing what they're, he's being told to do by the business community, and he's fucking doing it. And guess what Nancy Pelosi's doing? She's doing what she's told to do by the business community, and she's doing it. And guess what the squad and Bernie Sanders is doing? They're going along with it and not doing a goddamn thing. Your entire government has just turned their back on you. And I just got an email today from Bernie Sanders asking for more money. He's asking me for money. The fucking balls that these cocksuckers in fucking D.C. Unbelievable. If I get one more email from Bernie fucking Sanders, 
asking me for money. Hey, why don't you go book your next talk show? Because that seems to be his job now. He doesn't do anything for you in Congress, but he's hosting a late night talk show. He'll have Cardi B on later on this evening. I don't understand the politics. I suppose that because the politics really that were designed and created originally by Bill Clinton, really probably from before that, of less for two evil, where, where people basically no longer are, are given the opportunity to vote for anything that they believe in. They're just, uh, just are forced to choose between who's the least abhorrent. Uh, of the two candidates with Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump being sort of the most recent expression uh, of that. And the thing with lesser of two evil voting is the, is you don't have to do anything for anybody. You simply have to raise money and run a media campaign that absolutely massacres the identity of your opponent so that however much they hate you, they hate the other one more. And I feel like the Mitch McConnells of this world have actually mastered that lesser of two evils Yes. Mind game. Yes. And as and once you're in that lesser of two evils architecture, all these other issues that we talk about become irrelevant because the entire political system is simply based on the ability to massacre your opponent's identity using money. And as long as you're confident you can do that, you can literally rape and pillage your own people to the point where they're homeless and dying in the street. And as long as when it comes to campaign time, you can rape and massacre your opponent, you'll still get reelected. That's why this is a third world country. So this is um, from Natasha Sarin. She's a professor at uh, Penn Law and at Wharton, which is where Trump went, right? Wharton. Uh, so they're big, big. They're, she's a big brain, big brainiac. I'm just going to give you an insight how did the big brain... This is neoliberalism. This is your big brain on neoliberalism. So she comes from Penn Law and Wharton. Right, super smarty pants, Natasha Sarin. And here's her big idea. You want to hear what her big idea is? They did a study. She said, excited. COVID paper alert. She said, excited to share a new paper. We show that allowing work... This is their solution to the problem right now. We show that allowing workers to access a tiny percent of their future Social Security benefits today can provide the liquidity they need to weather this storm. So instead of the government (laughs) giving people a UBI until this pandemic's over, they want you to start cashing in your Social... Again, another idea. Where's what she says? She said, we became interested in this approach because of our earlier work on Social Security and inequality. It turns out Social Security is evenly distributed across the wealth distribution and hugely significant for exactly the workers most hurt by this crisis. Workers at the bottom of the wealth distribution have very little by way of retirement savings to tap today or liquid wealth. But they do have significant Social Security benefits forthcoming. You may worry that. So she's saying, let them tap into the Social Security right now. How twisted does your mind have to be to take trillions of dollars from a population to name a piece of legislation that's going to take their money and give it 
to the super rich to consolidate resources, and then you're going to come out later with all of this fiscally conservative, fiscally neutral benefits analysis in which you're going to maybe, maybe give people the opportunity to borrow from their paltry future retirement as if there's a shortage of money. That's what they're doing. They're pretending there's a shortage of money. <laughs> and there's only a shortage of money when it comes to actually helping out if the people. If you're poor. Yeah. There's no shortage of money if you're stinking rich. If anything, I would say that the American third world architecture is more masterful uh, only because of the mythology that it's not a third world country, one. And- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And two, uh, the amount of money and resources that have been obtained by the people who have perpetrated the third world robbing of America. Um, I mean, why are Bill and Hillary Clinton billionaires? I mean, this, the whole band go down the list. Why is Barack Obama's main agenda now to become a billionaire? Why is becoming a billionaire now considered a foregone conclusion if you could be elected president of the United States? The fact that there's this virus, like, I, it... It makes me want to get in the streets. It makes me want to go organize. But you can't do that because of this goddamn virus. And Pretty clever, huh? Pretty clever. We got nothing. And I can't go out and organize a strike because there's a fucking pandemic. And I have underlying medical problems. And, and paint shit. <laughs> it's a pretty good trick. It's a pretty good trick. Pretty good trick. The entire media apparatus on the left is based on vilifying and attacking Donald Trump and the Republicans. The entire media apparatus on the right is is intended to do the exact opposite. And in the meantime, both parties work together with their financial backers to perpetrate this third world raid on the country. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think that people are, I don't know if they don't know. I, I, you know, when I started at MSNBC in 2009, after I'd left CNBC, for, uh, when I saw what they did with the financial crisis, with the, with the original theft and cover-up, right. um, I thought people didn't really understand this. And so I spent a lot of time, whether it was explaining to my colleagues at MSNBC, whether it was in direct interactions and meetings with various uh, senators and Congress people and cabinet members, both Republicans and Democrats. Um, I went to the trouble of writing a book in great detail, uh, identifying uh, much of what we're discussing, again, in great detail. Um, very thoroughly researched, had a whole staff of researchers for that book. It was not, not an easy undertaking. And my conclusion 
after three years of trying to explain to anybody that would listen to me, whether it was on the TV show, whether it was in the book, or whether it was in these day-to-day interactions and meetings in Washington and New York and Los Angeles, et cetera, San Francisco, was not that they don't know, it's that they don't even want to know. Like, they, they don't want you to say this to them. They don't want to hear it. It's like not wanting to find out that your favorite uncle is a child molester because it'll screw up the family. Right. Like, it's that kind of dark psychological stuff. That's the only way I can... That's I don't know how else to explain it because it's so obvious what's happening. But the sort of collective psychosis throughout the totality of the media... The cult of personality, the obsession uh, with the vilification of the opposing personality, whether it's the, the you know cultivating hate for Pelosi or cultivating hate for Trump or how, whoever your favorite villain is, that there's such the bloodlust and the emotional cycle in that is um, so overwhelming that there's a refusal to acknowledge what we're talking about. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is, I think we maybe give people too little credit. I think that there's a very good reason why half of the people in this country don't vote. Okay? There's There's a good reason why the biggest voting block in this country is people who don't participate in the voting system. And the reason they don't participate in the voting system is not because they're entitled and aren't affected by the vote, as some people would try to manipulate you to believe, but rather that they know that it is a false ritual designed to perpetuate the myth of choice while the same group of people continues to pump the extraction. But I guess me- it's a good thing there are so many young people that I guess the young I don't know who I don't know who votes or what they think is going to happen when they do vote. Time the last time there was this big crisis, Barack Obama was president, and Barack Obama famously told the bankers, "I'm the only one standing between you and the mob with the pitchforks," meaning he was going to protect the banks, not the people, and he did. Now. I posit, because they always do, this goes into your conversation about the lesser of two evil voting. Now, he was allowed to kick 5.1 million people, families, not people, families out of their houses, give those houses to the banks that the people had just bailed out while those bankers, banks were made bigger, not broken up, and those bankers never missed their bonuses. Do you think Trump would be allowed to do that thing and then now? And the bankers bought the houses back and then and then and, and then raised the rent on everybody. That's right. And and then so with the with the homeowners money that they took from the bailout. Right, but my my question is that happened a lot easier because it was Barack Obama as president. If it was John McCain, I think it would have been a lot tougher for them to pull that Oh, that, for sure. And for so sure. that so that's why we of having it come from that type of a messenger with that sort yes. of a fraudulent posture. Right. Brilliant. So if Trump goes into Flint, Michigan and sips the water, it's a clown show. If Barack Obama goes in and slips the water, you know your life is over. Because there ain't no one coming to help you. Barack Obama just flipped you off right to your face, right to your baby's face as you ingest lead. Barack Obama just said, go fuck yourself. Now, Trump wouldn't be allowed to do that. Everybody would be go apoplectic. 
People got mad that Michael Moore even put that in a movie. That's how much the left defends corruption. And so right now, I think it would be better if Trump is president right now, rather than a smooth-talking Barack Obama who's going to screw you just as hard anyway. Because that's that problem with the lesser of two evil voting I tried to explain before. Bill Clinton was not the lesser of two evils between George Herbert Walker Bush and himself. Bill Clinton was the greater evil. Bill Clinton was the greater evil with Bob Dole. Barack Obama was the greater evil with John McCain. That's what people don't understand. And so people are at least outraged at Trump. But they're not and yet. And your argument is they're the greater evil because they're so much more effective and persuasive in creating that superficial emotional comfort while they murder you. Just exactly. Just like we just like I just explained to you, I don't think John, John McCain would have had a lot harder time kicking 5.1 million families out of their houses in the middle of a recession that was caused by Wall Street while he was making sure Wall Street got their bonuses and made their banks bigger. I think that would have been much harder for John McCain to pull off or Mitt Romney. But Barack Obama puts the left to sleep. There's no criticism of it of him. And just like and Bert, even even to this day, Dylan, Bernie Sanders is still too much of a coward to to put a critique on Barack Obama, which is the reason we got Donald Trump, which is why he's a loser. I, I'm just again, I, I don't which is why most people don't vote, which is why most people don't vote. You want to know why people don't vote? Look at what Bernie Sanders is doing right now. He's voting for the ultimate screwing of America. Time after time after time as he hosts his new late night talk show with Cardi B. He's doing nothing for you. Does he really have a new... It always hurts when... It, I, I feel like the, it's more, the most painful in America because the American myth is so powerful. The Statue of Liberty, the American dream, on and on. And so for some reason, you know, the, the corrupt function of the government in Brazil or in Russia or in Spain is less emotionally offensive. And America had built this global brand as this place where anybody could come and create a new life. And that was true. I mean, I can look at my, my own family history of immigrants who had that experience. Who came here and made a better life doesn't happen anymore. No, you got you. You know, you remember that time George Bush? I don't know if you ever saw that video. George Bush was on stage at one of these town halls, and there's got know it's got to be five thousand people there, and he has a woman on, and she's you know she's in her sixties, and uh, he's asking her questions like, "Do you work?" She says, "Yeah, I work three jobs." And he goes, oh, isn't that something? Three jobs. Isn't that uniquely American? And he said it like it was like a compliment. Like it, it, it didn't make a light bulb go off in his head. Like, what the fuck is wrong with our country where some or a woman in her 60s has to work three jobs just to make ends meet? Like that, that he thought that was a good. Oh, look at how hard working we are. Yeah, she's not 18 years old trying to save up to buy a house. She's in her 60s on her last leg about to die. And you got to work in three jobs. I just never forget that. That, that, that that's, that's, yeah. Anyway, and I think that that, so that speaks to the myth, right? That that what evidence that would normally be obviously interpreted as evidence of a deeply unhealthy society 
gets reinterpreted yes. as evidence of the um, uniquely American strength yes. to it to endure. Yeah, it's like those. But this is unlike this is this is a depression. This is for sure an employment. This this is not. This is um, it's gonna be different. And it's like those news stories you see where about the the guy who walks 10 miles to work one way because he can't afford a car and and then uh, and then finally all his co-workers bought him a car or something like that's the the, the that's like capitalism porn. And that's, a, that's a that's a testament to American kindness yeah instead of like how messed up this system is that people have to walk 10 miles to go to work because there's no public exactly. there's no public transportation the guy doesn't make enough money to buy a goddamn car he's working full time or 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 the exactly. high, or the high school kid who breaks his shoulder and still goes to work at the at the at the Taco Bell it's just amazing I, it's just I mean yeah I mean listen you you have Matt Stoller on Matt Stoller wrote that book Goliath the monopoly issue is really the probably the most significant economic issue of our time, not just in meatpacking, um, but it's the reason why we pay too much and have miserable experiences with the telephone companies. Bill Clinton deregulated that. It's the reason why uh, we have miserable experiences with the few airlines and the way that they function and coordinate with each other to abuse all of us uh, when it comes to flying. It's the reason why the banks control everything. That we you know you can go through almost every industry, uh, maybe not to the absolute extreme of meat to eighty percent, but it's a not far off of that from one to four players. And that monopoly position. Look at Amazon; that was the ultimate monopoly. Look at Facebook; another ultimate monopoly. Look at Google; another full platform monopoly. And the all these monopolies, because there are so few of them, and because they have so much wealth and so much power, are at the very foundation of the hammerlock on the control of the politicians that we were just describing. If you were going to do one thing in this country, you would break up the monopolies, not just the meat monopoly, not just the digital monopoly, not just the financial monopoly, but also the political monopoly. And the political monopoly could be easily broken with something like ranked choice voting, okay? Just forcing everything into a ranked choice voting architecture would meaningfully diminish the power of both the Democrats and the Republicans. And just using the antitrust enforcement mechanisms would meaningfully reduce the influence of the banks, the digital companies, the meat companies, etc. Um, in terms of, because what's the number one thing that drives business behavior across the board? In one word, profits. And the answer is leverage. Leverage, right? He or she who has the leverage controls the outcome of the transaction. No one has more leverage than a monopoly. So why do the why do the does the, the AOC and the squad fall into line? Because Nancy Pelosi has all the leverage. Why does why do all the Republicans go along with Donald Trump? Apparently, Donald Trump has the leverage. Whatever I can put it in any context. But the problem with monopolies is they create absolute leverage, which then allows the annihilation of entire nation states for the benefit of the monopoly without any ability to resist. And I just want people to keep this in mind, too, when they do the lesser of two evil voting. 
or when they put all their put they put all their energy into electoral politics and emotion. Um, who passed the Clean Water Act? Richard Nixon. Who passed the Clean Air Act? Richard Nixon. Who started Who started the EPA? Richard Nixon. Who, who did OSHA? Fucking Richard Nixon. Was that, did he do that shit because he was a progressive? No. He did that shit because people got in the streets and made him fucking do that shit. That's why. And we still had a media in this country, a news media, that wasn't owned by 15 billionaires, which is what we have now. We have, just like Dylan was talking about, the Goliath, the concentration of power, monopoly power. There are six media companies in this country. Six media companies. Which is why I can outdo MSNBC and CNN and the Washington Post on a daily basis. Because they suck so hard that I can outdo them in my fucking garage. You know Dylan Radigan from uh, he's a best-selling New York Times author. He's also an award-winning Bloomberg news reporter, the host of his own show on MSNBC. He now is on a podcast with Tom Sosnoff at Tasty Trade. How are you, Dylan? I'm good. I mean, who knew we were going to stumble into this a couple months ago when you first called me to talk about this when they first architected the bailout to sort of set in motion the the greatest, literally the greatest robbery in the history of the world. It's amazing that we're here. But it's interesting, interesting to watch it continue to evolve. And I'm glad that you give me an opportunity to talk to you about it. There are 26 million people out of work. There's this the, the lockdown, which should have been done a long time before it was done and should be lifted sooner than it was, is being now extended forever for the political convenience of doing it. There's no, the absence of testing, the the, uh, the absence of all the things that are required to actually allow the society to function is political malfeasance on a level that's beyond catastrophic. And it ultimately takes us to why you're going to see a collapse or a potential collapse in the housing market and a significant restructuring and who owns what as they roll the money up into this to the hands of the smallest possible group of people, which is what happened in Russia. But the point is, in America, the political and government decision is, is explicit and implicitly to give money to the wealthiest institutions to roll assets up as a way to exploit a biological crisis that was no fault of the people that are being victimized by it. It's bad enough that they did this in 2008 and 9, where they gave the richest and the, and the most powerful all the money to roll up all the distressed assets, uh, as they did uh, in the financial crisis. They repeated that again in the face of a biological crisis. I mean, I cannot think of a more putrid and disgusting thing for a group of people to do. I mean, it's no different uh, than robbing someone uh, while their house is on fire. Because so your house gets struck by lightning. You're trying to put your the, the fire of your house out from the lightning strike. And then the government, instead of helping you put out the fire, comes in and steals all your stuff. And people get mad at me because I... I they refuse. They, they get upset that I don't want to perpetuate the the myth of America as having some differential. Again, the Russian government's not particularly nice to their people either. Neither is the Chinese government. Even the Mexican government. Heck, the European governments are a little bit overblown in terms of their perceived uh, 
glory. I mean, the EU really is a, ri- a club for rich people. There aren't really European countries. There's, as we discussed last fall, the group of the super rich that sort of are countryless, and then everybody else that sort of is left to fend for themselves. But I never thought I would see the day where a biological crisis would be manipulated and used by American politicians to empower the rich to raid the rest of the country. But if they get, if they did the UBI and the Medicare for all, which you and I, you know, this is this was a that should have been done in the first five minutes, right? Right. But if you do that, you then have to forfeit the fraudulent myth of the sovereign alpha American who can take care of himself and gets business done and is the ultimate creator and the ultimate doer. That American entrepreneur, even though the number of new businesses that are formed in this country is at an all-time low, even though social mobility in this country is at an all-time low, but there is a fraudulent myth of the sovereign cowboy badass American who doesn't need help from anybody and can take care of himself. And once you do UBI and Medicare for all, you're acknowledging that we're a group of people that can share basic resources in a way that's better for all of us. And you can still be a wild, badass entrepreneur cowboy with Medi- In fact, you'd be a much more of a wild-ass, badass cowboy entrepreneur yes. if you had UBI and Medicare for all because you wouldn't have to quit your... You wouldn't have to lose your health care when you quit your job and you'd have a little bit of uh, foam on the runway while you were building your idea. Ironically, ironically, nothing could be more supportive of the sovereign myth of the American cowboy entrepreneur than Medicare for all and UBI. But you asked me a question, which is why are they not doing it? I think the reason they're not doing it is because uh, of the propaganda around uh, self-sufficiency and self-sovereignty that is uniquely American and deeply fraudulent. Uh, because Trump is also. I told a, you Trump's a better bet for Medicare for all and UBI than the than the Democrats. Well, that's what I've been telling people, and people keep saying, "No, you can. We have a chance to influence Biden. We don't have a chance to influence Trump." And I'm just like, you guys have been wrong about everything since you were born, and so I'm pretty sure you're wrong about this too. And they are. Uh, Biden created the Biden created the healthcare system with Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama that's so catastrophically ill-equipped that it can't even test people for a virus two, four months after the fact in the face of the biggest economic catastrophe in the history of the world and the four trillion dollar Clinton Obama Biden healthcare apparatus is belly up useless Use, useless useless. But Nancy Pelosi charging a fortune from everybody in this country while still leaving them with deductibles. I mean, keeping them hostage to their jobs or taking their health care away because they're getting laid off. Everything that you complain about in health care, whether it's the deductible, whether it's the accessibility, whether it's the employment, all the everything, everything. All of it was created by Joe Biden, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. You think Joe Biden's going to help you out? And that this is the point, by the way. Not that not that Donald Trump's going to help you out, but Donald Trump is such a, a a beliefless, psychotic idiot that he might do something that's useful for you, useful for somebody, just by accident. Yeah, 
I Joe know. Biden is strategically hostile. I agree with you. I, I know. And all the people telling me. Donald I- Trump is a catastrophic, nefarious, fascist moron, but he might accidentally do something that helps you because he doesn't care either way. That's exactly All right. he cares about is how he feels. Well, what matters to him is his own pleasure. Right? As long as he feels good, he'll do it. Joe Biden is a calculated monster, I, along with the rest of the, that. The, the, but, I mean, people say, oh, how can you call these guys a monster? You like the American health care system? Paying twice as everybody, much as everybody in the world? And when there's a global pandemic, there's absolutely nothing? We can't even run a test? So you got to lock everybody in their house and destroy the whole economy? Come on. Uh, from, um, today, this is from Dave Dayan over at the prospect, American prospect. He, uh, he's, he, his, uh, his column is called unsanitized and he says unsanitized today leads off with mortgages and how servicers are knowingly lying to their customers to try to trap them into foreclosures, just like they did after 2008. So here's. Uh, he he predicts there's going to be uh, the second wave is a foreclosure wave and it's going to be an enormous problem, and he links uh, a, uh, some copy from one of the quote unquote servicers, Amerahome, uh, and what they're doing. Right. So here I'm just going to read to you what it says. It says Amerahome, a private equity backed mortgage servicer. On the receiving end of federal relief for servicers recently authorized by Ginny May and GSE regulator FHFA is telling borrowers they must pay back all missed payments in a balloon payment due immediately after the CARES Act forbearance. So his next tweet says uh, the FHFA says this. The repayment approach you shared is not consistent with the enterprise's guidance to approve servicers, meaning that that mortgage servicer is lying to people, saying they have to make this three-month payment all at once, a balloon payment. And and so Dave Dayan says this about that. He says, those of us who have done some work on foreclosures over the years know that what mortgage companies tell their borrowers only has a passing relationship to the truth. After the financial crisis, borrowers were told that they had to miss three payments to get any relief under the government's loan modification program. Now, Graham Elwood talks about that all the time, but he had a house and he was told that by two different administrations that he had to miss three payments. And then my brother also was told the same thing in his house in Chicago. He was told he had to miss payments. And so why do they do that? Because this this was not true. You did not have to miss payments. Nothing required this. And those who did what they were told gave their servicing company the ability to trap them in debt and take their home away. So when I started hearing from borrowers that they were being told that they could apply for three months forbearance, a deferment of their loan payment, but would have to pay all three months back at the end of the period, my ears pricked up. By the way, we were told the same thing by our bank. 
Okay. Second of all, here's Marahome Mortgage, a private equity-backed firm, telling customers about a lump sum payment immediately due at the end of three months, and this isn't limited to them. I've heard from Wells Fargo customers the same thing as well. So just so everyone knows, I want everyone to know this who's watching this show and you have a mortgage, the forbearance period authorized by the CARES Act is actually six months. It's not three months. It's actually six months which could be re-upped to a year. So I wasn't sure where the three-month number came from. The balloon payment also didn't sound right. This is Dave Dayen talking. Why would telling borrowers they have to repay a lump sum help servicers? So that's the big question. Why are they lying? Why are they telling people this? Well, he says, presumably, knowing that they couldn't repay in three months, borrowers would opt out of the forbearance program. They would then either A, scrape together enough money to pay their loan for a while, at which point the servicers get paid, or B, cut their losses and go into foreclosure, at which point servicers get to assess all kinds of foreclosure fees and get paid more. So, Dylan, what Dave Dayan is saying is that there's going to be a foreclosure crisis happening. And what is actually happening right now is exactly what happened during the crisis in 08, is that mortgage servicers, banks or what have you, are telling their customers a lie. And the reason they're telling them a lie is so that they can then trap them and steal their home away from them. Like in the last crisis, they said, don't make a payment for three months. And then they, when you didn't, they used that saying you defaulted on your loan. And then they took your house away from you, even though they gave you the advice to do that. So now they're doing it again. Now, Dylan, this is, seems nuts to me. And tell me, how does this happen and how come no one's in jail? I mean, it happens because policy is made by people who have an interest in consolidating resources in America and consolidating the housing stock is the single most significant and most widely distributed resource in America. And our politicians have decided to utilize the biological crisis, the house on fire, in order to rob everybody blind. So let me just say... Didn't we just go over that? Yeah, so I'll just hit the last paragraph from his, that I'll read to you from his article. He says, Services, servicers, meaning mortgage companies, get paid more from foreclosures, so they try to trigger it. Steering borrowers... Of course. Not they, only that but, then, uh, that, but then the private equity firms can buy the houses cheaper. The government will then gives them the money to buy the house, and then they can then rent it out for years to come. I mean, the people with money make way more money on foreclosures than they do on a bunch of houses having value. That's obvious. The government gives Blackstone cat. The government takes your money, your tax money. They give your tax money to Blackstone or any of the private equity firms. The private equity firms stand behind the servicer. The servicer sets up the foreclosure, then picks off the foreclosure. They make more money. Then the private equity firm comes in with your tax money given to them by the trillion in the bailout. They buy the house at a discount in the foreclosure, and then they rent it out for years to come at, at, at a huge yield. Like, it's a, it's a, they figured out how to do this in 2008 and nine. They did it masterfully. 
the biggest landlord in the world now is Blackstone as a result of 2008 and 9 because they were given the money to roll up all the assets. Steve Schwarzman, who runs Blackstone, is one of the chief advisors to the current president of the United States. And the, and the biological crisis is an opportunity to do a huge roll, real estate roll-up. So people don't know this. Uh, Barack Obama, so when they did this and Blackstone uh, bought up all these rental properties, they found out it's very hard well, to service rental properties on a mass scale. And uh, they were actually going to go bankrupt. And Barack Obama gave them a bailout on his way out of office. So what he did, uh, Barack Obama, not only screwing people on the front end of his administration, but as he walked out the door, he screwed them again. And why, how does that screw people, Jimmy? Well, what that does is, it cons- again, it consolidates real estate in the hands of Blackstone. And so now Blackstone is, is can artificially keep the prices of those rental properties high, even though they're bankrupt, because the government just gave them more of your tax money to stay po- profitable. And so now it impedes first-time homebuyers' ability to buy a home, and it keeps rents artificially high, also screwing the renter. Barack Obama did that on his way out of office. And now uh, the guy who's the head of Blackstone is in Trump. Trump's, uh, he's one of his advisors. So... There, again, this idea that there's a difference between voting for Barack Obama or, or John McCain or Mitt Romney is just a fantasy to make us feel better. So um, let me just ask you, do you, what do you think is going to happen this time? Are they going to kick 5.1 million people out of their house this time? Given the, I, I, I mean, they're going to try like hell. And Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer will not do anything. And as we've seen, Bernie Sanders will vote for it if they try to kick you out of your house. He'll vote for it if he's told to. But then they'll give a hell of a speech. And then they'll give a speech and AOC will wave her arms around. This is a country that cancels elections and offers you two senile rapists as a choice for president. I mean, if they're... lower your expectations, California is beautiful. Look at how beautiful where you live is. Look at how beautiful your yard is. Look at how beautiful the weather is. North America is a beautiful continent with there's largely really fabulous people here. Many very nice people here, whether it's in Los Angeles or New York or Texas or Florida or wherever. And I would recommend everybody uh, be a little nicer and enjoy themselves. And um, completely lower your expectations from the U.S. government to to the point of fact they are your they are hostile to you. They what they they are hostile to everybody in this country, left or right. I know, I know, and and it's just it's just. But that doesn't mean we have to be miserable. It just means we need to not expect anything other than hostility from our government. But there is more to life than government. There's dancing, there's cooking, there's music, there's car, there's there's racing cars, there's running. Yeah, but there's watching movies. It's hard to enjoy there's going to the beach. It's hard to enjoy any of that stuff if you have an empty stomach. That's a hundred percent true. You know uh, who was it who said uh, this is the country that's taking food and throwing it away? Absurd and disastrous political management. And failure to test by our government, which is the real issue. The mismanagement of the virus is the actual problem, not the virus. So Airbnb's 
argument that they're not part of the housing crisis, let's say, in San Francisco or in a thousand other cities around the world is just nothing more than Silicon Valley BS. Um, and part of the reason why there's, you know, marginal, this is a lesser issue, but there's a marginal issue. There'll be a marginal issue in certain markets in real estate uh, simply because uh, of the Airbnb collapse. A, fa- a failing housing market, by the way, also affects the banks because you know who actually owns all the houses in America? The banks, the right? Banks. Yeah. Whether they own half the house, three quarters of the house, right? Ten percent of the house, depending on the size of the mortgage. No one is more owns more U.S. housing than the banks. Okay. Uh, so, Airbnb. My point is, you get a housing crisis, all of a sudden you're gonna you're back up against a potential bank. But crisis. The, right. So AirDNA estimates that a third of Airbnb's U.S. listings for entire homes or apartments, excluding shared rooms, are by hosts with a single property. Another third, so they break it up into three, another third are run by hosts with between two and 24 properties. And the remaining third involve hosts with more than 25 properties. So only a third of Airbnb people are people who have a house and they rent out a room. Two-thirds of Airbnb is these businesses, people who buy houses specifically to rent them out. And they own between two and twenty between two and twenty-four properties. And then another third of Airbnb hosts own more than twenty-five properties. Incredible. Uh nearly one in five hosts that Airbnb recently surveyed said hosting on the platform helped them avoid eviction or, or foreclosure. Uh so the company presented these findings to the U.S. congressional leaders and successfully lobbied, get this, Airbnb successfully lobbied to have hosts covered under the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, known as the CARES Act, making them potentially eligible for small business loans and unemployment assistance, among other things. So that, so there you go. So there's the, that's what's happening with Airbnb. And what do you think about, so what what was originally invented as an idea to help people supplement their income by renting out an empty room in their house or apartment uh, is is now turned into a full, you're going to get bailed out. They're, they're full, full-fledged companies. And they're I being, mean, the thing is, this is all the, for me, this is just a window into Silicon Valley and the sanctimony, it's really sanctimony valley um, and the arrogance of the technologists in San Francisco that have the that run this propaganda of their saving of the world as whether it's Facebook or Airbnb or Uber, um, they're arguably as predatory or more predatory than the U.S. government or the U.S. banks in New York. They do not. These are these are all these are organizations that rather than creating value for people, they're all vampires. And they're extremely efficient, well-organized vampires. Um, but you got to feel sorry for these poor folks with all their rental properties. Am I right? I mean, come on. I don't know. Well, so, of course, but they were incentivized by this platform to get into this whole racket. Right, I know. I, of course you feel bad for them. 
I but know. I mean, if I'm going to feel bad for the Airbnb people, I also got to feel bad for Hilton and Marriott and and hotel planner and you know, I mean, every and all the airlines, right? I mean, the I mean, the, the, the every airline, every hotel operator, and every Airbnb operator in the world has been annihilated. Man, not just by the virus, but by the absurd and disastrous political management and failure to test by our government, which is the real issue. The mismanagement of the virus is the actual problem, not the virus. I know there's a calculus on the loss of life and the on uh, and on the destruction of uh, resources from the lockdown that has to be weighed against the death rate. But I also know that if you are prepared for something, a pandemic is not a surprise. This is not a black swan. Okay, there. This is this is something that sh- that has been known and talked about for years and decades. And so then to sit here after the fact, and, and, and it's, it's when you when you drive a ship and you have uh, no fire extinguisher and no life boats and no life preservers, and then you're and then everybody's in the water without a life preserver and the ship is sunk. You know what? It's to talk about what you should have done. What you should have done has been ready for a pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are we paying taxes for? What's the DOD doing? What are you doing all day? At the, what are they doing? What are you people doing in your jobs? At CDC, at Health and Human Services, at Department of Defense, at FEMA. We pay all this tax money. What are you preparing for? And so I think it's unfair for any of us to sit here after the fact, after the colossal failure to prepare for a known risk. You know, we're certainly happy to show off our airplanes, our F-14s, our F-18s. But we're not ready for this. It's staggering. It, it's staggering. So, so now so now you're going to give me this, this awful choice between, you know, do we let more people die for, and, and destroy the economy? Or do we, do we take our chances with the virus? Obviously, obviously, at this point, in my opinion. The more economic activity that can be resurrected, the sooner, the better. That requires widespread testing. It requires masks. It requires distancing. Everybody in the world at this point knows that. You've shut down the economy, not just locally, globally, for months now. And still, after months, you still don't have testing. So, the, And then all of a sudden, the question is, oh, should we be like Sweden? Well, no, we shouldn't be like Sweden. It shouldn't. This we shouldn't be in this decision. We should be able to open with widespread testing, masks, and distancing. But we can't because our government's too busy taking our tax money to fund private equity to roll up rental properties instead of preparing for known risks like global pandemics. Now I'm pissed. Yeah, got you going. Now you pissed me off, and I was really doing a good job not being pissed the past couple months. 
So it's just it's actually comforting to hear you get upset like this because no one else is getting upset. It's just stunning for me to watch. Of course, I turn on MSNBC and they're just talking about bleach and Trump telling you to drink bleach, even and blaming Trump all the time. That's it. It's like it's like blaming the village moron. Yeah, of course Trump's a moron. <laughs> I know. Who cares? That's what I told my brother the other day. He's, I'm like, you got to stop watching the press conferences. You're going to get they they air those so it pisses you off, so it keeps you distracted from the real problem. And the real problem is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are not an opposition party. They're in bed with Wall Street, and you can't serve Wall Street and serve workers at the same time. Which is why they don't serve workers. Which is why we're in a third world country situation and a banana republic where nobody has any money except a handful of people. And and pretty soon there's going to be social unrest. I'm actually uh, I will be uh, I will I will be covering it, maybe even participating. Let's let's move on. Another story. Elizabeth Warren, did you know this? Elizabeth Warren and AOC have teamed up on a new proposal to halt big mergers during the coronavirus pandemic. So I just showed you. How CVS and Rite Aid are buying up all the independent drugstores that are going bankrupt during coronavirus. Uh, And so AOC and Elizabeth Warren, they know this is coming just like we know it's coming. We've been talking about it for a month straight now. So they are now introducing a bill that is supposed to halt mergers. So the consolidation that they just enabled by voting for the trillions of dollars to go to the oligarchs and nothing to go to the people. Now they know what's coming because they just voted for it. And so now they're going to try and mitigate the damage, which it's going to be, I guarantee you, 100 percent, it will not pass. What there's, So here's what it says. It says, Warren sees private equity vultures looking to gobble up small businesses. AOC warns of decades-long economic consequences of inaction for consumers. So what do you make of this? Well, first of all, that's idiotic. First of all, that's idiotic because private equity firms do not give a damn about small businesses, okay? Private equity firms care about distressed, medium, and even large businesses. They're managing hundreds of billions of dollars. Do you think Blackstone wants to buy up your corner deli it's idiotic the very phrasing offends my sensibilities because it sh- it's an insight to the level of stupidity of american politicians that they would be so moronic as to think that private equity would give a damn about buying a small business they're going to buy the biggest possible business they can buy that's in the most possible distress you idiots and the grandstanding around small business is so played out. First of all, small business is not the engine of job growth anywhere. New business, new business formation is the job growth creator. And yes, statistically, most new businesses are small. So people then perceive small businesses to be the job creator. But that is not the case. New business formation is the job creator in any economy ever. In order to have new business formation, you need to have an educational system that works, a healthcare system that works, optimism in the economy, and some amount of of money available to human beings. And the rate of new business formation in America has been in a free fall since Barack Obama, since the financial crisis. Okay? 
And so this whole no M&A thing from Warren and AOC, as if they're going to gobble up small businesses, one, reveals how stupid these people are, and two, reveals how craven and hypocritical they are that they then vote for a bill that empowers private equity to buy distressed assets while they shut down an economy that shouldn't be shut down because they should have been prepared for the damn pandemic months ago, years ago. And then they want credit for looking out for the little guy. Fuck them. It's exactly what they're doing. They just gave the money to the criminals to go screw us. And now they say, wait, 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 we're trying to we're trying to look out for the little guy. No, no, it's worse. It's worse. There's a known risk of a pandemic. They refuse to prepare for the pandemic. They then grossly mismanage the pandemic and point to the village moron as if it's only his fault. After failing, after harvesting our tax money for a decade and failing to prepare for the pandemic. Blaming the village moron. They then use the pandemic to give the money to the prep to the to the vultures. And then walk out after the whole thing is done and pretend that they give a damn. I prefer Republicans. Republicans come right up to your face and say, I think you should be dead and I want all your money. As opposed to these people pretending. It's like the women that pretended to care about sexual assault so that they could advance their careers. And in the process, made women more vulnerable to sexual assault. The tragedy of Joe Biden's destroying of the Me Too movement is that there is a huge issue with sexual assault. There is a huge issue with sexual oppression. There is the, all the, the underlying issue of Me Too is a real thing. And the manipulation of that real problem as a way to acquire power and destroy and advance an agenda by those in charge of the... It's like exploiting slavery as a way to accumulate power. So you had all these people that started exploiting the reality of the of, of the sexual issues and the sexual oppression and the sexual assault and the unequal pay. Very real, very disastrous, very destructive, very bad things that were harnessed by people to project unilateral power to destroy and, and do whatever they want to do, that they then expose themselves as the, as the craven fools that, that that they are fools too generous a word in a way that sure there's a pledge there's sort of like uh, you know there's a there's a there's a, a disgust i guess in the revelation of the hypocrisy but the un but the unspoken victim in all this is still all the women who are being abused and underpaid because they've now been exploited by the Alyssa milanos of the world as a way for them to accumulate power and make a celebrity out of themselves you understand yes like, forget whether joe biden or whatever the actual the real victim here is actual female victims who are then manipulated by these women who claim to be fighting for female victims but really they were just trying to get power If you if you are in the business of getting a return on ten billion dollars, and I give you the opportunity to buy the local dry cleaner for eighty five thousand dollars, and that dry cleaner after you buy it becomes worth two hundred thousand dollars, and you've more than doubled your money, and you just made a hundred grand on your eighty five thousand dollars, the cost of the accounting. 
and tax services of dealing with the nightmare of that small business relative to the return on your $10 billion fund is the most preposterous concept I've ever heard in my life. So I you can... have a lot of money and you're paid, you're paid to you make money on that money. You know what you got to do? You got to buy other things that are worth a lot of money. The drugstore is a unique thing because it is a universally used, guaranteed customer base. Monopoly, basically, right? You're going to get your prescription. You're going to buy soap and toothpaste, shampoo. That's a bit, that's a unique situation. Empty storefronts. So, so I was saying, small towns across America, small towns across America that have little or no virus risk, but all these small businesses have been shut down for months. What are these people going to do? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm. Uh... And the reason they're shut down is because the government that they paid taxes to refused to prepare for a pandemic. Forget whether we responded in time. What's the response? There is no response. The response is to tell everybody to stay home. That's your plan. That's what we paid for. You don't have cotton swabs. You can't make a test. And so because you don't have cotton swabs in a test, everybody's got to stay home. Fuck you. Nancy Pelosi will tell you to calm down. She has a plan. Nancy Pelosi is the same person that gave you the health care system that's failed right now. So that's that she can she can stand that that her claim to fame is you put her in the same room with Clinton, Obama and uh, Biden with a four trillion dollar health care system charging double what the world pays for a health care system that is useless to provide cotton swabs at a test multi-trillion dollar government, multi-trillion dollar healthcare system, and they can't provide cotton swabs in a test? I'm with you, buddy. And so their alternative after collecting those trillions is to scorch the entire economy? And, And blame the village idiot. And blame the village idiot. And offer an alternative senile rapist. That's right. Who who has who who is offering no solutions to our problems right now? Joe Biden doesn't have a solution in sight. Not one idea. Not a solution in sight. But Bernie Sanders is going to no tell- UBI from him. No Medicare for all from him. No. In fact, a promise to veto no Medicare for all. No formation. No cotton swab. No test. No working economy. Nothing. Just make fun of the village idiot. Yep. You know how, do you know how low on the totem pole you have to be if your only claim to fame is you make fun of the village idiot? We've, we've made a national industry of ridiculing the village idiot. I know. That's why I don't do it. And then everybody feels better about themselves because they, they're like, well, look at the village idiot. He wants you to drink bleach. Well, of course he wants you to drink bleach. He's the village idiot. Just sanctimonious, holier than thou. There's a known risk of a pandemic. They refuse to prepare for the pandemic. They then 
grossly mismanaged the pandemic and point to the village moron as if it's only his fault. After failing, after harvesting our tax money for a decade and failing to prepare for the pandemic, blaming the village moron, they then use the pandemic to give the money to the prep to the to the vultures and then walk out after the whole thing is done and pretend that they give a damn. I prefer Republicans. Republicans come right up to your face and say, I think you should be dead and I want all your money. Well, that's what Malcolm X said. He said he preferred... uh, 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 As opposed to these people. Yeah. Pretending. It's like the women that pretended to care about sexual assault. Yep. So that they could advance their careers. And in the process, made women more vulnerable to sexual assault. And it's been revealed that the Me Too movement was nothing more than a partisan tool. And the well, pe- yeah, even more than that, it was sort of a, it was an indulgence in unilateral power. At with that, I, the tragedy of Joe Biden's destroying of the Me Too movement is that there is a huge issue with sexual assault. There is a huge issue with sexual oppression. There is the, all the the underlying issue of Me Too is a real thing, and the manipulation of that real problem as a way to acquire power and destroy and advance an agenda by those in charge of the it's like exploiting slavery as a way to accumulate power so you had all these people that started exploiting the reality of the of, of the sexual issues and the sexual oppression and the sexual assault and the unequal pay very real, very disastrous, very destructive, very bad things that were harnessed by people to project unilateral power to destroy and, and do whatever they want to do, that they then expose themselves as the as the craven fools that uh, that they are, fools too generous a word, in a way that, sure, there's a pledge, there's sort of like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a disgust, I guess, in the revelation of the hypocrisy, but the un, but the unspoken victim in all this is still all the women who are being abused and underpaid because they've now been exploited by the Alyssa Milano's of the world as a way for them to accumulate power and make a celebrity out of themselves. Do you understand? Yes. Like, forget whether Joe Biden or whatever. The actual, the real victim here is actual female victims who are then manipulated by these women who claim to be fighting for female victims, but really they were just trying to get power. everybody's protecting the senile rapist in the basement any way they can. And that is all that because, is cr- they're, because they're terrified of the village idiot. When the reason the village idiot is the president is because they did this last time with Hillary Clinton. So that's what's happening is that they're getting sick inside of these factories and that's what's happening. And then someone else said, let and me... And by get- the way, those factory farms, I don't think they're any better than the wet markets in China. Right. We talk about the wet markets in China, which are horrendous and clearly a breeding ground for global horrors. But there's, but so too are the U.S. factory farms. I mean, I've been pushing for decentralized, distributed resources ever since I left NBC nearly 10 years ago. And there is no greater example of the liability of centralized production than this, obviously the supply chain in China or the horrors of American factory farming, which is disgusting to begin with.
I would say that the one thing about that whole meat DPA story, everything you just said, is it's completely aligned with everything else. That's it's very much in alignment with American uh, the American policy vector. Yeah, exploit the people with no power at, and then funnel that money upward while leaving everybody yep. in a slave-like state. That's right. That's America, baby. But that's every country in the world. It's just the, people, the illusion that America wasn't that is the issue. But the, the, as you move further towards the totalitarian arc the gloss of functionality that is there price of that is an increasingly aggressive diminishment of human rights to the point of removing people from society and killing them systematically and America to its credit is not there at this point although we are now canceling elections and we're now forcing labor to go into a virus-infected meat farm. So we're on the spectrum. Yes. But even for my hyperbole, that there is a dar- there's a darkness that exists in the functionality of those dictatorships. You know, there's a liberalism that still exists in this country and our ability to interact and do things and even protest as fools with guns it does not exist in, in other places your entire government has just turned their back on you and I just got an email today from Bernie Sanders asking for more money he's asking me for money the fucking balls that these cocksuckers in fucking D.C. Unbelievable. If I get one more email from Bernie fucking Sanders asking me for money, 